myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn your luck back and it's all in the past Good evening matters it's another pre-recorded show this week as i'm uh, working away and uh on wednesday nights we always have retro night where i'm joined by uh, a panel of newcastle fans and we look back uh, over games gone by with the team that you pick so we uh, were kindly suggested that uh, luton town would be the uh, the team that we went for today uh, and i think this has been a bit of a test for everybody because um there's not many, many games to pick from, but uh, I'm joined by George and Mitch and uh, Steve Hasty and Steve Wilkinson. Stu Penman is in transit today, so uh, won't be joining us. Uh, but we will look back at the games. Uh, we will also look back at celebrity fans. We'll also look at players that played for both teams. And we'll try and concoct maybe a five-a-side team uh, from... Uh, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I've got the most ten, tenuous eleven. I think you'll ever find. Uh, yeah. I, think might, I think we might just have to leave it to Mitch them because I know everybody else. Really with that. But, uh, great stuff. Um, very few photographs <clears throat> of uh, games gone by. I do have one classic which I'll uh, share with you guys later. But uh, George, over to you, mate, uh, for your first recollection of uh, a game that you either have been to or a game that you may have uh, witnessed uh, on TV or whatever with uh, Luton Town. Well, it's- uh, first game I, I, I've been to, um, and it's a very early one, 1956, uh, and it's uh, I was at it because uh, at that time I was, uh, as you know, I was on schoolboy forms with uh, with the town, and on the Saturday morning I'd been playing at North Road uh, against uh, Chesterfield with for the ends, and uh, after the match, um, the Manager of the of the of the ends, uh, Ted Hughes was uh, giving pe- everybody two tickets for the for the match of the afternoon. It was again, it was against Luton. Well, a lot of the lads didn't want to go, and some of them were giving their tickets away. So I I collected a couple from my old friend George Dalton. So I had four tickets uh, and uh, quickly uh, got home and uh, organised my father and my uncle and anybody else who wanted to go. And so we so we went to see Luton, and it was. Uh, 14th of January, Saturday, 14th of January, 1956. Uh, and we beat them 4-0. Um, it was a good game. Well, it would be if we won 4-0, it would want to enjoy. But it, it, it was a still, although it was an easy win, um, it still was a game that uh, that needed to be won because Luton uh, dug in and had some quite uh, reasonable performers. Uh, 21,500 crowd. And the Newcastle team had some uh, stalwarts in, of course. Um, Ronnie Simpson, uh, uh, Woolard at fullback, uh, Alf McMichael, Bob Stoke, or Bill Patterson. Now, there's a controversial centre-half we had. Um, Frank Brennan had gone and they were desperate to fill his, his slot. And Bill Patterson came initially from Doncaster Rovers with a huge, huge reputation. But Bill Patterson, unfortunately, he was a... Um, a football playing centre half, not a, not a um, get them and kill them sort of centre half like uh, Frank Brennan was, and that didn't go down well with the Gallagher crowd. So, so Bill struggled to make his mark with the, with the crowd. In fact, it wasn't long before he was on his way to Rangers when he where he had a fantastic career. Um, and Tommy Casey playing uh, the other uh, midfield slot, uh, really tough Irishman. Um, when Tommy Casey went in for a tackle, you could have heard him the other side of the river. Um, and on the right wing, Jackie Milburn, uh, Reg Davis, little Welshman, clever little Welshman, Vic Keeble, and then another Jory just coming into the team, who, in my, my or to my mind, never really reached the heights uh, that he, he should have done. And that's Bill Curry. Bill Curry was a, a bustling sort of forward, a bit like a bit like Pop Robson. Um, but unfortunately, I don't know what happened to Bill, but he seemed to lose his way and he wasn't in the team very long. He wasn't at the club very long uh, and he was moved on. And on the left wing, of course, was our old friend Bobby Mitchell. Um, the two goals were scored by Keeble, typical Keeble headers, uh, one from just about the penalty spot and the other one from even further out than the penalty spot, uh, a header like a bullet into the bottom corner. Uh, which was typical of, of Vic Keeble. I mean, the, the, the crowd of the Gallagher in those days used to say that if we got a penalty, we should let Keeble take it with his head. Uh, he, he, would, he would definitely score it if he took it with his head. 
Um, and uh, uh, Bill Curry, um, Bill Curry scored an, an ice goal, um, a, a run from the halfway line, just the edge of the box, and then a, a low drive in the bottom right-hand corner. And then Reg Davis, a typical tricky goal from Reg Davis. Very uh, slight uh, guy, Reg, but very tough uh, and very tricky. And he uh, danced his way around about four defenders before he he, he walloped it into the, into the into the net, the roof of the net, as it, as it happens. Uh, so that it was a, an entertaining game. Um, and uh, Luton had the likes of uh, Buddy Ahern playing, who had a, a great reputation. Uh, Will Shanks, uh, also a very tough defender, and somebody who became uh, uh, much uh, more famous later as a manager, and that was Gordon Gordon Turner, uh, who uh, who was in that team. So that they weren't a, a poor team, uh, but certainly um, certainly didn't lie down. Uh, but Newcastle were just too good for them, and uh, the thing that beat them, I think, was uh, Keeble's uh, ability in the air. Yes, he scored, but all the time he was not going to ball down to the others to have a go and caused them all sorts of problems. So that's my first recollection um, of, uh, of of Luton Town, and it was in, in 1956 in, a, in an enjoyable game uh, at the time. Lovely guy, Vic Keeble, had the privilege of meeting him at a Fairs Cup uh, deal on yes, more than one yeah. occasion, I know. Yeah, <clears throat> I know Steve Hastie did as well. Uh, cracking, yeah. cracking guy, lovely guy, and um, yeah, just pleased that I got a chance to meet him. Uh, Mitch, your first uh, memory. Well, I think for me, all the games I can genuinely remember, other than cup games, is sort of all in this time in the the late eighties when Luton were actually a, a big thing. They'd got themselves up to the top flight in the early 80s. I think they won the League Cup in in, in 88. You know, there's another club that's won something domestically in the time that we haven't. Um, and, and so all my games are concentrated around a certain era. And I know one that certainly, um, when I was speaking to Stu about it over the weekend, the, the one game we both went on and on about was the, the 2nd of April 1988 at home. 4-0. Now, I don't know if the other lads want to talk about it. You might as well jump in if you are, because we haven't got that many games to pick from anyway. <laughs> um, but this this is the, the one where if, if, if anybody watching who who's, has never seen the game or doesn't, has never heard of the game, this is the one where the phrase Kenny Wharton sat on the ball came from, because yes. that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what he did. Um, and, and the background is, is that I think we'd been stuffed by them on their artificial pitch down at... Uh, it, it Kenilworth, I think, in the November of the year before in the same season. And I think they'd, they'd spent the last 10 minutes showboating. And so there was definitely a bit of bad blood, which added a little bit of something to the game. Um, that was the team everybody wanted to talk about, Gaza. But at, at the highlights of that side that day was a young Michael O'Neill who got a hat-trick. And the other goal was gotten by Paul Goddard, who was absolutely outstanding. And I think we've said this before about Sarge, um, totally underrated centre-forward for Newcastle United. So, you, know, you forget how good he was, um, yeah. not just not just in terms of his ability to score goals, but his ability to make goals. And you would see if you watch the highlights on, um, I think Mark Cosby's got, got him on his YouTube channel. Um, if you watch the highlights, how much work Goddard got through in that game. He was involved in every single goal, you know. Um, superb team performance. But then, is it, it, it with him, with Luton well and truly beaten, and it could have been six or seven, you know, on that day. I just seem to remember with Pepper and was it Les Seely? I think in goal. I, I seem to remember him being absolutely peppered that day. Um, and in the last 10 minutes, we decided to do a little bit of showboating. So you had Gaza ball juggling inside our own box. Um, and he did that two or three times until somebody got sick and nearly tried to have a swipe at him. Um, and then, of course, that incident with Kenny sitting on the ball. And it was it was proper revenge. But then as the final whistle went, I seem to remember we were getting changed in temporary changing rooms at that time. And they, and they came out of the corner at the leases, between the leases and the, and the East Stand. And I seem to remember the Luton manager chasing William McFall across the pitch, and uh, I think there was there was there was a little exchange of uh, pleasantries, shall we say, in the tunnel on the way into the changing rooms afterwards, because we really did humiliate them that day. 
and, and, and sitting on the ball and the ball juggling was all part of rubbing it. And of course, in the crowd, we were loving it, giving it all away, you know, and, and it was it was a good feeling around St. James's Park. It's great when you get days like that. And it was a sunny, proper sunny April day where the, it was just perfect for taking the mick out of somebody and thankfully looting with the victims that day. Brilliant stuff. And that, I mean, that image there, Mark Corby, of course, uh, has the videos online. Um, well worth looking at, but there is Kenny sitting on the ball. And uh, remember, right, as well, they had that big centre-half, didn't they? They used to wear the hairband. Um, oh, Foster. Steve Foster, yeah. like, John, like John McEnroe. He used to, uh, well, so he used to get away with wearing one. But uh, yeah, I think we got beat 4-0 down there as well, if I remember. Right? Yeah, on we did. Plastic, yeah. The plastic pitch. So, uh, and, the, and they'd spent the, the last 10 minutes doing something similar. There, there was showboating, you know, yeah. and, and, and taking the mic and rubbing it in. Great stuff. Okay, Steve Hasty. Hi, guys. You all right? Well, hey, there's no no more games left, is there, after that? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Thank you and good night. <laughs> um, my first game, first one I've picked, um, for, no, for no other reason that I couldn't, my two games, I couldn't find any others, right? That's the reason I picked them. I've gone to uh, 1979-1980 season, 3rd of May, last game of the season. We played Luton Town. Um, we drew 2-2. Uh, we'd previously drawn with them one all in the away fixture earlier in the season. And the reason I've picked this game, um, well, there's a couple of reasons, but the main reason was the performance of two strikers, uh, one who we all know and had an amazing uh, camaraderie and still does with, with, the, with the fans of a certain era because of who he was, and that was Alan Shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, got him from Blythe. Uh, former minor came in, scored goals uh, when you know really you would never have expected someone at, at that particular time could could produce the performances that he did and scored the goals that he did uh, coming from basically the non-league. But the other goal scorer on that day was uh, a certain Billy Rafferty, um, who actually also scored in the first game. That went the one-all draw. Um, the reason I've picked this because I thought it was quite out because the, there we've got a we've got a player in, in that season. He only scored four goals, and two of them were against Luton. Where have we come across that before? A footballer who who only seems to score against certain teams. I think we've got a striker at the moment uh, in a very very similar vein. Um, <laughs> but given the fact that that Billy managed to score four goals in a season and two of them were against Luton Town. Um, that's that's why I picked this one, as I say. He he, he actually made uh, I think he made 36, 34 appearances that season um, and scored the four goals. And I think he got a couple in the cup, probably, probably the league cup. Um, but uh, we finished ninth that that particular season, nineteen seventy nine eighty. It wasn't a rocking season. It wasn't something that we could could excite ourselves uh, with. There was nothing really that we had going for. We're on a downer and. Uh, I cannot remember a single thing about the game. Not <laughs> nothing at all that would that we could turn around and go. So and so did this, or so and so did that. There was no Kenny Wharton sitting on the ball. There was no juggling from Gaza. Nothing like that. It was just, from my mind, a nondescript game. Um, famous only for the fact that Billy Rafferty scored one goal of his four goals, and I was lucky enough to have been there. Well, that's good enough to select for that reason alone. Um, <laughs> Steve Wilkinson, did you have any more joy? <laughs> well, Steve said there was no games left when it come to him, and now I'm last today. So, what do you think I'm going to come up with? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, it was a case of trying to find a game with a story attached to it, and, and I found two eventually. Um, and the and the first one is actually already been mentioned, and um, and that's the game on the plastic pitch. The, the game before Mitch talked about when we actually got walloped 4-0. So we've had, we've had four goals in everybody's game so far, but mine's on the receiving end, unfortunately. Um, the reason there's a story attached to it, that was the time when Luton, I've got a dog barking in the back, he's gone mental, let me dog. Uh, the, um, Luton had banned away fans and there'd been a... Trouble in uh, 1985 in a game with Millwall, you know, pretty, Millwall, pretty right. bad trouble. And the the uh, the owner of the club, or managing director, where it was David Evans, had decided that he was going to ban away fans. So they banned the away fans for several years. And uh, I, I actually moved down to uh, to work in Coventry, and, and I was living in, uh, in in hotels just just started the month before. And uh, I'd gone down with me my girlfriend at the time, and 
well, I had nothing to do at the weekend, so I says, do you fancy going to match at Luton? You know, it's not a million miles away from Coventry, just down the the, uh, the M6 and the M1. And she said she would go with us. And then next day I woke up and I thought, well, can I go? You're not allowed to go. You know, there's no way fans allowed at all. So I wrote a letter to uh, the David Evans, personal letter to David Evans, and pleaded insanity and things like that, you know, and saying, oh, I'm, I'm a poor bad lad and down in Coventry and I'm going to come down and uh, if, if, you, if you let us in. Not expecting anything to happen, but I got a letter back saying, uh, under the circumstances, uh, we'll let you in. So what you need to do is bring this letter to the to the box office uh, an hour before the kickoff and, uh, and they'll ensure the letter and they'll give you a ticket. So we did that and went in, and it was it was a it was a ticket similar to what we've got now with the season tickets for for its individual match. I've actually still got it somewhere. I don't know where this ticket is because I kept it. It's a little bit of plastic looking like a Barclay card or like our current season ticket is printed on the plastic for that particular game, and it was it was leading the technology because it was it was a slot in the in the turnstile at the entrance. There was. There was, uh, you know, it was really advanced for the time. You know, you were getting flimsy bits of paper when there, there was occasionally all ticket matches. I mean, there wasn't that many. It was probably cup games and big games in those days. Um, so we got this this ticket and got into the ground. We had a stand to ourselves. There was only 7,000 at the match, but obviously very few Newcastle got in. I think the only ones in were were, were people maybe that had got tickets through known players and things. So they, they, we had virtually a, a two or three rows to ourselves. Uh and uh, as I say, it was on the on the plastic pitch. We had a, quite a decent team in, in some. Gary Kelly was in goal. Uh, John Anderson, Brian Tinian, Kenny Wharton, Peter Jackson, Ben Roller played. Neil McDonald, Gaza, Paul Goddard up front, Mirren Dean up front, Darren Jackson. So not a bad team, but they just couldn't couldn't get on with the plastic pitch. And uh, the Steen brothers, you might remember there, Mark Steen and Brian Steen, yes. scored uh, scored three of the goals between them. And uh, you know it was it was just a, an embarrassing event, um, and I cannot remember much about the game other than the tore us apart on the on the plastic pitch. And uh, I wish I hadn't bothered going. So <laughs> those first generation plastic pitches oh, used, yeah. to, used to bounce like a penny floater, didn't it? It was, it yeah, was just you, weird. You, they were like you, you could only play with rubbers on. It wasn't there was nothing. I, I mean nowadays they're, they're, they're well, and, artificial in some way now. And, the, the and if you. If you fell down on them, you got a third degree burn. Burn, yes. Right. The the uh, the the card that they give you, Steve. That the reason you got the plastic card, if I remember rightly, was that Evans had campaigned with the Tory government at the time with Thatcher, and it was to it was to show that you could bring ID cards in for to go at the match, if mm, you remember yeah, rightly. Yeah. So he he, oh. he brought in this scheme of plastic cards, and he was he used that because he was he was that way inclined. He wanted to show. That, that he was at the forefront of technology and he was at the forefront of getting rid of football hooliganism and all that. And it, it, there was there was a massive campaign for us to all have an ID card to get to the match, if you remember rightly. And that was that plastic card. And he was he was promoting that idea. And I think he trialled it that season. Um, typical Tory, you know. It's typical. Worth the Colin, Mo- Colin Moynihan. Moynihan was the sports minister. Sports minister. Um, yeah. yeah. Then he became Lord Moynihan when his when his yeah. brother died, didn't he? Um, his brother, I don't know whether he was trampled to death by elephants or something like that. I don't know some crazy Lord thing. <laughs> but but it was it was that it was because of the because of the problem at, at his ground where he didn't police it. You know, we talked about this on on another show. Just got yeah. you know, where, where the, the, the riot with the Millwall fans. Yeah. And obviously he hadn't policed it properly in the first place. He allowed that, that situation to occur and then had the audacity to say all football fans should have ID cards before we can go to the match. And then she she said, oh, yeah, well, and he, he was given permission to, to ban away fans and, and then just to use this ID card. Well, it was obvious it was going to work. Because, <laughs> no, because he was not being trialled with the away fans, he was only being trialled with his own fans, and you're probably the only away fan that managed to be trialled. Yeah, it's probably because worth the fortune. <laughs> <laughs> I must dig it out. It's probably worth the fortune. This ticket, it's exactly. I <laughs> brilliant stuff. Great, great memories, George. Your second game, mate. Uh, second game. Um, just something about Luton, and uh, I've never been to the ground to see football. Uh, Kenilworth Road, but um, yeah, it it was uh, when I was doing lots of stuff for the Home Office. They used to have lots of conferences, 
and they used to do deals with the hotel groups to get uh, the cheapest deal for them to hold a conference. So you'd find yourself going to uh, uh, Luton. Uh, I w- once went to Daventry, and just down from the Daventry sta- train station, there was a big hotel which belonged to, uh, I think it was a Hol- Holiday Inn group. Out in the Wales, I mean, but they, they got it cheap, so that's where the conference was. Well, one of the conferences I went to was uh, at a cheap hotel, well, called it the home office, a cheap hotel in Luton. That, that economics were potty because people spent that much time getting to these weird places. They were spending more money on expenses than they would have done if they'd had a posh hotel in London, but that's that's by the by. Well, this hotel in Luton, you can actually see Kenilworth Road, and that's the closest I've been to Kenilworth, Kenilworth Road uh, at Luton, the, the Luton home ground. So my, my second game is a 2-2 draw, 19 February 1987. And I picked it because, um, A, I was there, and B, it was quite an entertaining match. And uh, it was an entertaining match because there were two fairly even teams. Our goals were scored by uh, Goddard, uh, who, who had a brilliant game, and Peter Jackson, of course, who, who, who was in the team. Uh, the, our team was uh, Thomas and Goal, Wharton, Jackson, uh, MacDonald, um, Rhoda, the other Thomas, um, Craig, McCreary, Cunningham, Goddard and Beardsley. And uh, it was uh, it was a team that played really, really, really uh, good football. But the, the uh, uh, Luton team weren't slouches either. Um, Les Seeley's already had a mention. Uh, but they, uh, they had a fullback called Tim Breacher, who would kick anything that moved, and uh, it was really, really hard. Um, and he scored one of their goals. Um, and had a Johnson, and then this guy you've already had to mention, Foster, the, the big centre half, uh, and, and Donahue, who used to play for Manchester City, um, Wilson, and then the front line was Nicholas Grimes, one of the Steens, I think it was Brian Newell. And Mick Hartford, who was a, a who was on a, one of ours, of course, but that was quite a decent uh, front line for any team. Never mind for Luton. Yes, some of them were uh, on their way out. Um, Graham scored their other goal, but it was an entertaining game with, uh, with two teams that uh, knew what they were doing. Um, the hardest thing about the, the game for me was the um, uh, how difficult. Uh, what a difficult time Peter Beardsley had against uh, Breacher and, and Foster, who because every time he got anywhere near them, uh, they were putting them on his backside. It really, really was, uh, it really wasn't uh, nice. Uh, and the one who, the one who stood up to them and, and had a go back at them was, of course, was David McCreary, who didn't take, uh, didn't take any prisoners himself. Uh, but Peter, they give Peter Beardsley a really harsh time, and. Uh, uh, so 2-2, an entertaining game, um, a reasonable crowd, I think it was about 35,000, and uh, 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 a good game for uh, Goddard, Paul Goddard, he, he, he was uh, one of our stars, uh, and they, one of their stars was uh, was Grimes, of course, and in defence, uh, Breacher, who, who scored a goal, as well as being uh, tough in defence. So that's my second game. Good stuff. That's uh, Steve Foster there, for those of you who don't right. know. Uh, there's yes, yes, him, yes, uh, yes. Big, big lump of a lad, him. Like, And, uh, yeah, that was yes. uh, the person that uh, Kenny Wharton was aiming the uh, sitting on the ball thing at, because I think yeah. uh, Steve right. Foster had uh, taunted Newcastle uh, after that result as well on the plastic pitch. Mitch, over to you for your second game. Well, the, the two games I had left to choose between, um, I was at both. Both were nil-nil. So... <laughs> Given the lack of on-field entertainment, we might as well talk about both. Because there is a little story attached to both. The first one was, tw- was April 89, um, nil-nil at home. And why that sticks in my mind is um, it was one of the oddest teams I've ever seen Newcastle United turn out. Um, through a combination of injury and um, we were in this transitional period still where players were getting ready to be shipped out and they were talking about bringing players in for the following season. And we had a team that had no right-back in it, but four centre-backs and two left-backs and only one striker. (laughs) 
who picked that, Bruce? Uh, well, it, it could have come out as Steve Bruce's great randomizer. Perhaps that's where he, where he found the machine. Perhaps it was Jim Smith's, you know. Um, but yeah, that, that was the, the that was the thing that stood out. I think we had Benny Christensen playing it right back and um, Glenn Roder stepping up into midfield and uh, and two left backs on the left hand side, Kenny Sanson, Paul Sweeney. You know, it was a weird mix of a team. Um and I think it might have also been, and I need to, I haven't checked this, it might have also been Mirandina's last appearance hmm. in a black and white shirt. He came on as sub. Um, it's somewhere through that game, but I, I don't remember much about the game at all, other than that everybody was stood scratching their heads. We know when you used to get the program and you used to have the team on the back, and yeah. everybody had their, everybody had their bookies pens out, mate, hastily making all the changes because the team was totally different to what it would have been, um, and just an awful game with a weird team. And in a strange way to say goodbye to Mirandina. And the other one was the only time I've been to Kellenworth Road. It was uh, December. Interestingly, I found this out when we were doing the research. Kellenworth Road's address is actually one Maple Road, apparently. Yeah. But that's an, that's another matter. Um, <laughs> that's my December. Son. Yeah. <laughs> December 88, and it was another nil-nil draw. And it's the only time I've ever been. Um, it was Archie Gourley's debut is the thing that comes from that. And I've got to know Archie, actually. He used to come to our practice when we had a practice in Morpeth. Um, can, he, can he bloke? Really, can he bloke? Top um, And, and the, the entrance between the two houses to get into the ground. What a funny little ground that is. Yeah. Absolutely strange. And that's, again, I remember very little about the day, though, so... Consumption of a certain amount of alcohol may have had something to do with that as well, um, but uh, yeah, that was that was the two games I could remember. No, no, no four nil amazing stunners, just weird teams and no goals to speak about. Great stuff! Big shout out to our uh, sponsors as always, Spider VPN for your internet security. Been with us uh, for the last three months. Big shout out to uh, to the lads down there, and uh, they will be helping us with some events once we get out of this lockdown. Probably uh, Arcot Interiors as well. Uh, visit their website, arcotinteriors.com. Uh, well worth a look if you're thinking about getting a new kitchen. And uh, their phone number is on there as well, 0191-265-8663. Enquiries at arcot.org.uk uh, is their email address. A uh, big shout-out to them and thanks to them for coming on board uh, this month. Also, uh, qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End in Newcastle. And John from Jab Signature who makes our flyers. And uh, if you're a first-time visitor to the channel, please uh, subscribe. Hit the Newcastle Legends uh, logo down in the bottom right-hand corner and just subscribe. It's free to subscribe. Hit the little thumb up to like the video and to share it. Uh, just hit the share button. That shares it to your social media. And join the comments. Always plenty friendly chat in the comments from everybody. And a big shout-out to uh, John as well from QTech, who uh, runs our website, nufcmatters.com. Uh, you can find all kinds on there, uh, including the NUFC Matters T-shirts, uh, but not the ones that we have up for grabs for the food bank. And a big thanks to George again. He bought another one. Uh, he must have quite the collection now of Mitch T-shirts. Um, I'm not sure George will want this one, but it is up on my uh, it is up on my Twitter at the moment at Steve Wraith pinned to the top, uh, and that is the Steve Wraith is God T-shirt. Uh, I'm glad to say that there's only one of them and that it's factually incorrect. So uh, yes. Well you can, rest assured, you can rest assured I won't let it go cheap. Thanks, George. Thanks. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. So uh, there we go. Um, get yourself onto there. Bid, it on, bid on my Twitter account and uh, hopefully making some more money for the food bank. Always going to a great cause. Steve, back to you for your next game, mate, if you've got any left. Uh -huh. I've got a game, yeah. I've got a game. I've got a story behind it. The story, well, the story behind the choice anyway. Uh, not that, again, not that it was a scintillating match by all manner of, of, of football talk. Um, I'm going back to, to, let's see, August the 30th, 1980. Okay. There's a, there's a reason why I've picked this. Now, as somebody who who spent, you know, your formative youth days in the 70s, uh, you were in awe of Holland. You were in awe of the Dutch football. 
You know, Ajax, 71-2-3, winning the European Cup. The World Cup final of 74. You know, the Johan Cruyff, Nieskins, people like that, Rensenbrink. Then you had 78, the World Cup, the final, and again, the Dutch playing this time, the Argentinians. The, everything about it. We had Bastia turning up, the French team, with a Dutchman and Johan Cruyff, eh, eh, uh, Johnny Rep, who ripped us apart in that particular game. Um, and so it comes to 1980, and we've had a trialist from Holland signed on the boots. And at the start of the season, he'd done so well in the trial that Newcastle signed him. His name was Franz Conan. And there was big things expected of Franz Conan. Uh, he was a left-footed midfielder, could move about the pitch, so we're told. He, he, he was strong, he was skillful. Um, and, and on the 30th of the 8th, 1980, obviously only the third, I think, third game of the season, he scored for Newcastle in a 2-1 win against Luton. Other goal being scored by Terry Hibbert. That was it. That was it. Nothing else to say, really. He scored. He played, he played eleven games. Um, never scored again. Uh, his performances were so bad that he was uh, he was he was consigned to, the, as it describes in the book, the Central League. In other words, he was pushed out of the reserves, and then they gave him a free transfer. And that was it. So all of that excitement of Dutch football, the Dutch style that was going to come to us, and it was all going to go through Franz Kernan. It all went to pot after that one goal against Luton Town. So, something, something when we got Rob McDonald. Do you remember that? He, he came from Dutch football. Oh, he's English, but he's been playing in Holland. He must be great. He must be really talented. Dead, get good. Couldn't have a cow's ass with a bloody banjo. Jesus, it was just ridiculous. Exactly. I mean, 11 games, one goal. But at least I saw the goal. You know, I saw a Dutch <laughs> goal for Newcastle. I mean, we have had some really good Dutch players, you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, Dutch goalkeeper and, and Tim Krul. You know, Vinaldum, you know, players like that, you know. But <laughs> this Dutchman, with all the excitement of, of the start of the 1980s, uh, and that was what happened. We actually finished 11th that season. We'd actually gone back. We'd gone, you know, we'd, 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 we'd got worse. We'd finished ninth the previous season under Billy Rafferty scoring, and uh, now we'd finished 11th. Um, but I think what this, where this took us to at the end of that season was was the, the start of the revolution, if you like, the following season, uh, 1982, the arrival of Kevin Keegan. So, you know, there was something for us to look forward to. Okay, we didn't know at the time. Um, mm. and, but I honestly thought, I remember that, that season thinking, Franz Kernan, a Dutchman. And uh, I've, you know what? I've segued all of that in, and it was against Luton Town, and I've never even mentioned Luton, you know. But <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> Steve. I think your stories are going to start well. At least I've seen him score. I think that's well, the end well, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. At least I've seen him exactly. score. Is your new catchphrase? I'm, uh, I'm trying to. Think. I, I don't know whether I've seen uh, anybody else score. We've got players in the first team at the minute that I haven't. I've never seen score live, Steve. <laughs> true. True. Very true. Yeah. Who Steve, was who was managing was, that game, Steve? Uh, oh, was Arthur it, Cox was just about to be Arthur appointed. Cox took over, didn't he? Cox, yeah, but the next so, month. So, would it was it McGarry? I, I thought he got sacked before that because that's the start of the season. I thought McGarry got stopped, sacked before that. Yeah, he might have. McGarry yeah, might have. Who was the temporary manager in? Uh, uh, it, well, we'd had obviously we'd had. Uh, it was whoever came after Richard Dennis. Well, McGarry. Uh, I don't know. Bill, Bill McGarry was in. Was was I, I can't remember. Gary must have came after Richard Dennis. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then it would be, and then obviously Arthur Cox. Yeah. Well, it's 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 a link into that. I'm going to talk about a game that Arthur Cox was manager, which is as you said there, Steve. The the uh, the start of the the the, the build up. You know when things were were, were going to start and improve over the early years. Uh, the season after. I cannot remember an enormous amount about the game. Um, I should have done from the from the way the game turns out, but it's another game with a story. Uh, it's it's on November 1981, and uh, we actually won 3-2. And uh, the game started with a goal in the first minute by a guy called Alan Brown, who we actually borrowed from Sunderland. We, we loaned him from Sunderland with a, with a view to signing him. He scored in the first minute in the 35th minute as well. So we're winning 2-0. Uh, 
Um, now, the story attached to Alan Brown is that he, he, play, he only played five games uh, and uh, scored three goals in those five games. And the club couldn't afford to sign him. I don't know what they were wanting for him, but they, they couldn't afford to sign him. So uh, he, he was uh, shipped back to Sunderland. And, and we, we, Arthur Cox actually brought David Mills in until the end of the season, who was quite right. a decent player. Um, but that, the way that game went after that is that uh, Luton at that time were, as, as you mentioned earlier on, the 80s was Luton's big time under under David Pleat. And yeah. they actually won the, the championship, that well, the second division, as it was called in those days, uh, Division 2. Uh, they, they actually won the league that year. So we'd gone from 2-0 up uh, at half-time. And then in the last 10 minutes, Luton pulled two goals back. And then in the in the very last minute, Imri Verardi scored the winner, and and we won three two. Um, team that day was was Kevin Corn goal, uh, John Brownlee fullback, uh, Wes Saunders at left back, John Truick, Steve Corney, Peter Haddock, Alan Brown, Mick Martin, uh, Imri Verardi, Kenny Wharton, and we'd, we'd also signed this young lad called Waddle from Sausage Factory in Taolo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a very no, he's rubbish. He was, he was, if you might remember, he, he was a very gangly uh, winger. And he, and he just, I always thought that when he used to be in front of me and he stand, I thought they should get a chair for him to sit down on because he, he just didn't look as though he could run. But what a hell of a play over the years. And we're not going to dispute what he what he did. So uh, we won that game 3 2. Um, Imri Verari that season uh, scored about 20 goals. And, and uh, I mean, the season after was when Keegan signed and, and he. I think he pipped Keegan even that season, even though Keegan got about 20 goals. And uh, we ultimately sold Imri Vardy to sign this other young lad called Beardsley, who would also never make it as a, as a footballer, as well as Waddle. So um, the rest is history, as, as we all know. So that was a game. As I said, I cannot remember much about the game, but I, I should have done. Um, I can remember Alan Brown came, a blonde centre-forward from Sunderland, and he, he, he obviously made an impact, but not enough to, to warrant whatever the coffers... You know, we're talking about Ashley not spending money. That was what it was like in those days under the likes of Seymour and and uh, Rutherford and them lot that were, uh, you know, the, the the board at that time. And uh, whatever they wanted, they couldn't afford to get them. So uh, we had to get a loan in instead. David Mills, of course. I was going to say David Mills, of course, is uh, prominent, probably for getting the goal that uh, took us up against Huddersfield when uh, Keegan was injured in the uh, promotion season in 83-84. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think at that time you talk about the finances, uh, Steve, and you also remember that Lord Westwood, I think he was like the president of the Football League or something as well, wasn't he? Yeah. I was. We, we were really well well thought of in terms of the people who ran the football club and in the hierarchy of, of football, you know, with, with positions of, of authority. Keegan, he was one of the top men in the football right. league as well. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, yeah. we're, uh, you know, highly thought of. And, yeah, uh, which shows you that what they were interested in was their own position, not necessarily the position of their own football club. But that was that was synonymous with lots of, of people in that particular era. You look, I mean, even the, the, the guy at Man City who took over, he, he you know, he suddenly became a big mouth at, 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 in the football league. But his club was falling to pieces, you know. Mm-hmm. His full yeah. club was going down mm-hmm. the pan at the time, you know. And that, and that's that was just synonymous with owners in those days. And, yeah. you know, like you say, we'll whinge about Ashley, but, you know, it was just as bad then. Well, I don't know. I, I think, mean, George, you can go further back than I can, but, it, uh, you know, the, the, the 60 years I've been going comes up to 60 years next year. Uh, there was a there was a post on Facebook today talking about the, getting rid of Ashley and all that and saying in the, in the 60 years I've gone, I would say other than a... Hard, about 15 years we've, we've been against the owners and the uh, the directors most of the time yeah. it probably goes back before I started in 1962 George has probably well, us all, well all, all the time I mean uh, I remember even as a kid going, going with my uncles and my father and my grandfather and they were always grumbling about what the board was doing what the board wouldn't do um, and he had all these stupid things at cup finals where um, all the other teams that went to the cup final, the club bought the lads the, their suits or their blazers and they didn't have to pay any of that. Not Newcastle. They, I mean, the um, Supermark, I'll tell you about his cup final. They all got dressed up in black velvet suits and waistcoats. But that was courtesy of a blo- of a, 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 a tailor in town who, who treated them to that. They nearly had a strike before the, before the final because the 
the club wouldn't give the lads the money to get, well, get to get their suits. You know, wasn't there a story behind the tracksuits as well? Them purple tracksuit tops yes, that they wore, yes, coming yes. coming out for the seventy four cup final. They had all yes. been supplied by the Seymour Sports Shop. Well, you had yes. to buy all, than, all the stuff had to be bought. Uh, I, yeah. uh, and, and so they the, ended up picking this stupid bloody purple that he had like a X stock of. They yep. say, right, there and you then, go. That's what you're wearing at the cup final. You know, it's, it's, it's course, sort of about a tin, tin pot way of doing things, you know. And, uh, yeah, but but I mean, George, George mentioned Frankie Brennan before. And I mean, obviously there was the, the, the big, oh, the big yeah, scandal the over Frank who wanted to own or open his own sports shop in town, which he ended up doing. But because he did that, they told him he, he he couldn't open it, or he would, or he would, he had to leave because yeah. Stan Seymour already had a sports shop, and it was going to be it was going to be a challenge to Seymour. So when he said, "No, I'm opening a sports shop," that was it. And I think, if I remember rightly, there was a, a huge meeting at the Civic Centre, a huge fan meeting at, at sorry at the City Hall, where everybody piled in to 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 you know voice their opinion on on what the club was doing, getting rid of Frankie Brennan. You know, I think you know there was there was hell on. Well, so yeah, we've got a history of it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Well, my, uh, on, you know, my, my school team uh, with Alec Tate, the centre forward, who was a coach and teacher, he wanted new strips because he, he thought we were going to go a long way in, the, in all the cups, and which we eventually did. And he went to Seymour and said, you know, he didn't ask them for nothing. He said, could, could I have a discount on a set of strips for the lads? Because I think these lads are going to do something. And Seymour wouldn't give him a penny. And on his way out of the ground... Who should he bump into but Frank Brennan? And he, he said to Frank, I've just been in to see Seymour and see if I can get some strips. So Frank Brennan said, go, go down to, um, well, it was, he was in Gallagher then, go down oh, yeah. to the show in Gallagher and see my manager and tell him you want a set of goalkeeper to 11, uh, black and white stripes, shorts, socks, the lot. And Frankie Brennan give Alec Tate the whole lot. Now, a little bit in the back of my mind sometimes says, is that why Alec Tate got transferred? I don't know. I don't think it was, but it wouldn't surprise, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if it, if it wasn't. But, but yeah. the, you know, the, the, the pictures I've got of, of my team in the cup finals, those shirts were brand new and there were three gratis from Frank Brennan, not, not from Stan Seymour. Seymour wouldn't even give Alec Tate, I mean, this is one of his players, wouldn't even give him a decent discount, never mind uh, give them nothing. <laughs> Yeah. So I yes, I mean, Steve's right. It's it's been like that all the time, Steve. Yeah. yeah. Fans and owners and players and owners. It was, and it was always take out rather than to put in. You know, the, yeah. you know, it wasn't a case of not putting money in. It was it was taking money out for themselves. And yeah, I think they even took money out of Northumberland FA because all the disciplinary meetings for for any of the leagues. Used to take well, place on a Monday Park, yeah. at James's Park, so yeah. that was where it was. So the Northumberland FA would hold a meeting, and I bet they were charging them an absolute discipline Monday disciplinary meetings. Uh, you know that that's that was the that was the Cassinated. It's typical, you know, typical Newcastle. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. We, we 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 complain about things now. It's be it's because we've all got experience of it. Uh, the yeah. youngsters, the youngsters have only had to put up with Mike Ashley. We've had some right. Uh, Characters in charge of the club over the years, and characters being polite. Um, no, I think that's why you've got to you, you, you've got to be patient about the takeover because it took a long time. You know, we started. Yeah. You know, what was ultimately the Magpie Group getting getting John in was all those guys that I was involved with eighty seven, eighty eight when when uh, Dennis sacked. You know, it took thirteen years to get going. So we hope it doesn't take thirteen years this time. But um, you know, it, it, it's it's not going to be sorted in five minutes. No, definitely not. Okay, uh, we're going to finish off the show as always by uh, going through some celebrity fans and finding some players that played for both teams, see if the lads can guess who they are with uh, the picture board. And uh, we'll go with the celebrity fans first. So, some uh, some names here, um, please, lads, for these faces. Oh, silence. No. Now it was silence. I know. To be honest, last week you had a clean sweep on both. So, yeah. so not unless you've done something with the head. Not Sarah Matthews, is it? It's no. not. No. 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 
No. She's an early one for Steve Rathen. Nikki Wardley. She's an actress. She's ah, been, yeah. She has been in lots of things, but you probably know her best from her spell in Catherine Tate's show. Um, so this one. That's that Keris Matthews. That's Keris Matthews. Matthews. Yeah, yeah, that's Keris Matthews, of course. Oh. You recognise the face, but can you I give do. us the name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Ah. Uh. No. 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 That's another one for me. Colin Salmon, the actor. Yeah. Okay, this guy, probably the most famous Luton Town fan. Eric Morgan. Eric Morgan. Yes, Eric Morgan, the late great Eric Morgan. Is that the? Uh, is that the ruler? It's a sports presenter, Steve. Correct. 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 Yeah. Correct. something. Correct. Half a point. Carruthers, Faith Carruthers. Correct, Faith Carruthers. Good teamwork by the Mitchell wow. brothers. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, does the morning. Um, oh, Nick Owen. Nick Owen. Nick Owen. Yeah. Nick very good friend of Supermac uh, and obviously involved uh, with the club, uh, Luton Town as well. Monty Panasar. Panasar, yeah. that's it. So that's your uh, that's your celebs for this week. Uh, couple of, couple for me there. So I'm quite happy. Okay. So players that played or were involved with Newcastle and Luton. Wow, this was hard. It was mm-hmm. was. Graham Jones. <laughs> Graham Jones. Is he, is he involved with Newcastle? Do we know? He still is. Yes. Uh, he's definitely been a change of fortunes. <laughs> well, I tell you what was noticeable after the match. Uh, the centre forward, our centre forward Wilson and uh, Maximum, they went to Jones. They didn't go to Bruce at the end of the match. Mm, yeah, <laughs> correct, correct. Okay, we're looking for the guy in the white. Shirt. Is that Ian Dowie? Dowie. Ian, Ian Dowie, yes. Ian Dowie, of course, was yeah. uh, Alan Shearer's right hand man in his short managerial stint at the club. Sakazenga Luwalawa. Yeah. Sengalua, Lua, hey, of course. Good, good call. Super oh, Mac. Super Mac. Super Mac, of course. Very young Super Mac. Um, regular uh, on didn't our have, show, of course. Enough colour photos in those days, didn't they? I didn't. <laughs> da- Darren McDonough. Darren McDonough. Yep, Darren McDonough. Was he? Was, Keegan, wasn't he? First signing. Keegan's first signing, yes. Keegan's first signing, yeah. No, you, another one, you, four great four games or something, wasn't it? You know, that's Mick Harford. Mick Harford, the man that Joe Allen describes as hard as goat's knees. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it Alan Nielsen? No, Alan, is, is that no. is that Alex Galid? That's him, Alex Gillies. Gillies. Well done, uh, and that that rounds up my uh, my search, <laughs> my intensive search. So um, I'm going to go to Mitch uh, because Mitch was saying off air. Um, he thinks he's got a, a fairly tentative eleven. I know it's well, difficult the, to find an eleven. So uh, go for it, Mitch. The noise that accompanies this is the, the is my fingernails scraping along the very depths of a very deep barrel. <laughs> But if you bear with us, um, I, I found a keeper called Jonathan Mitchell. He played he played for our reserves as a 15-year-old and was a bit of a sensation and then disappeared to Luton. So there's my keeper. And I'm playing a back, back three of Viv, Viv Busby, Alex Gillade and Alan Nielsen. Now, the thing about Alan Nielsen I didn't realise until I did a little bit of research was he, he was caretaker manager of Fulham three times, sorry, of Luton three times so, <laughs> is, is at the end of his playing career. Um, then um, we've gone for a midfield two of Darren McDonough uh, and Gordon Hudson and then a front five <laughs> of Mick Harford, Kazenga Lawalawa, Super Mac, Daryl Murphy, and Imre Verardi. Wow. Who what finished a... his career off at Luton. Brilliant. And that'll be, mani- 
that'll be managed, and I'll, I'll do this because I know Stu was going to do this if he could have been with me tonight. They'll be managed by John Carver. Stu's good mate. Brilliant. Who stuff. was caretaker manager there after um, he'd been he'd been at Sheffield United, then he ended up at Luton, and he ended up taking taking George Luton for a few games. And he, the, well, the Gordon the Gordon Hudson he got in it. It should not be, it, be a Gordon Heinsen. Heinsen, sorry, yes, I can't read my own right. Remember him? Yes, sorry. Good stuff. Anybody else got one? I'm not going to uh, ask you all. Well, well the, 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 the only George the only thing, I, George the only thing I want to uh, add to it was that uh, way way back in the twenties, of course, they had a uh, bought a bloke called George Stobart from us who was the first £1,000 player, and that was us buying him from Middlesbrough for £1,000. And then after about five or six years, he moved on to Luton. So that was a, he was a centre-forward, George Stobart. I think it was about the ni- late 1920s when, when that happened. Well, the other two names I had lined up to stick into an 11, if I was really desperate, uh, were, were Bob Lee's, Robert Lee's two, ki- two sons. Just yeah. by virtue, just by virtue of genetics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know that that was that was where I was getting to when I was starting to look for players that played for both. Like, yeah, genetics. Um, I was yeah. just, I was just going to name eleven supermax. That's all I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna read out his name eleven times. Well, the only, uh, the only, the only the name I, the only name not mentioned is is a guy you know it was again uh, scraping the the barrel to find Eddie Connolly. Uh, in the thirties, yeah. uh, as a winger, yeah. never heard of him. Right. Didn't know what he was like, but yeah. I don't really? think he was. Very, he, he was, from what I read about him, he was pretty tricky. But he, he overdid it too much, I think. He could go on the bench. We might need him um, mm. at some point. But uh, lads, fantastic! Listen, we did a great job there. Um, I think with uh, with such a hard team, um, we've had a, resources, we've had, Steve. We've had it. Well, yeah, limited resources. We've, we've had the request in Derby County next week. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. You'll have to, you'll have to put up with a few Harry stories for Derby County, man. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> oh, <Okay>. I, yes. <laughs> Lads, as always, been an absolute pleasure. Always good, and uh, we hit some new heights. Over a thousand people watching the show last week, which was fantastic. So it shows that Fabulous. there's plenty, uh, plenty of people like to hear uh, a lot of stories from yesteryear from you guys. So thanks for doing it, and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Have a good week, lads. Take care. Right. Good luck with what you Thanks, lads. Bye-bye. 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 Only way you're ever gonna learn your love back